0: Welcome to the Plan B CRNA Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Jones, and I'm so excited that you're here. The Plan B CRNA Podcast is the only show made specifically for nurse anesthetists who are exploring options outside of their traditional career paths. This is the place to expand your mind and your goals as we uncover new ways to produce side income together. Journey with me as I go down various rabbit holes to explore the best Plan B options for you. This episode is brought to you by OnCall Capital. OnCall Capital is dedicated to educating CRNAs and other healthcare providers about investing outside of the traditional stock market. OnCall Capital also provides opportunities for you, yes, you, to create passive income and generational wealth while also lowering your taxable income through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, make sure you do that right now so that you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining me today, and now, on with the show. Welcome to the rabbit hole on the Plan B CRNA podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Jones. Throughout my journey in finding a Plan B, I've gone down numerous rabbit holes to figure out which ones work for me. And since I've done some of this research already, I only think it's right to bring that information to fellow healthcare professionals to help aid in your search. As always, it's important for you, the listener, to do your own research and form your own opinions. Everyone's situation is unique, and a Plan B that works for one CRNA doesn't always work for another. Self-awareness is the key in any decision you make, since you must have an accurate grasp of your own strengths, weaknesses, and goals. Now, our topic today is one that's a bit of a gateway business, in the sense that it could start something that ends up being much bigger and broader than you begin with. Our rabbit hole of the day is, dun-dun-dun, book flipping. If you're anything like me, then you probably enjoy reading a good book. I mean, you can't buy happiness, but you can buy books, which is kind of the same thing. I also like to get books for a good deal, though, which means I rarely buy at Barnes & Noble, opting instead for a cheaper price if I can find one. But that doesn't mean I don't splurge once in a while at a local bookstore. In fact, the book I'm reading right now, To Hold Up the Sky by Chichen Lu, is a collection of short stories that I purchased at our local store bookmarks for hmm, full price. What I've learned, though, is that there's actually quite a few folks who buy books at full price or even discounted prices that still provide the seller with a sizable profit. I mean, bookstores do stay in business for a reason, right? And as it turns out, there are a lot of people who are buying books for low prices and selling them for a profit. These book flippers spend their free time scouring library and yard sales, Goodwills, and the like to find books to flip. Books happen to be great for flipping for two reasons. They are widely available, and it's easy to determine market pricing. Let's take a look at the opportunity here. In 2020, total U.S. book sales hit 942 million units across print and ebook sales, with ebooks representing about 9% of that market. These overall unit numbers represent a 9% increase over 2019, but most of those increases are in ebooks. Revenue from book sales totaled nearly $26 billion in revenue in 2020 as well, and that number is actually down from a high of $31.3 billion in 2016. In 2019, over 4 million new books were published, with a record 1.7 million of them being self-published. And there are approximately 1,700 independent book-selling companies operating 4,100 stores in the U.S. alone. Children's fiction is the most popular genre overall, with over 1 billion units sold, Religious books and Bibles are the most popular adult genre, with 21.2 million uh, units sold. And textbooks remain an important aspect of American education, with total revenue of $8.4 billion in 2019. While this has been decreasing since 2015, the average textbook still costs around $84, meaning that the average college student will spend about $1,240 on textbooks over four years. Now, what do I actually glean from all of this information? I mean, it's kind of a mixed bag, really, but books are not a dying industry at all. They're just a changing one. Digital markets are seeing the most growth, and it is currently driving growth in the publishing markets. But that doesn't mean that printed books are going away anytime soon. The publishing industry actually still expects to maintain a 1% growth rate until 2025, increasing industry income by $18.7 billion. No, it's not a high-growth industry, but it is steady. Now, how in the world can you make money flipping books, though? As with any new business, this takes some work and education at the very beginning. The profits you make depends on the genre and availability of any given book that you sell. Oh, yeah, and the price that you actually pay for it initially. Just like with flipping houses, you make a large amount of your money when you purchase at the right price. If you choose books correctly, you can get a decent profit margin and expect to make a few hundred bucks per month. Some successful folks are even making $4,000 to $6,000 per month. Now let's talk about getting started. One of the easiest ways to proceed is with an app called Scout IQ, which scans book barcodes and shows you how much a book is selling for on Amazon. It even factors in Amazon seller fees to give you a profit figure. The live version of the app costs $14 a month or a cheaper $120 for the year. This version pulls the latest pricing info from the internet while you're out scanning items. However, if you have a weak data connection, you you can actually opt for the database version. It's $44 a month or a cheaper $432 annually, and it allows you to download a database that's actually much faster to use than the live version. Now, the Scout IQ app and an Amazon seller account are all you really need to actually get started reselling books on Amazon. There is a free seller account option if you want to test these things out first, but you'll be charged $0.99 per item sold, and there are other restrictions. The pro seller account is $40 a month. So the startup costs are pretty low here. Of course, there are more tools that you can use to scale your business and process items faster. And while most smartphones can scan books for free, you may want to look for a Bluetooth barcode scanner to speed up the process. Lastly, a label printer is useful for labeling packages with Amazon's shipping details. All right, so you have the Scout IQ app and an Amazon seller account. Now it's time to look for books. Where should you go? Some great options include library sales, yard sales, Goodwill and thrift shops, uh, Facebook Marketplace. You can use your phone to scan books on your screen quickly to pull out all of that relevant information. Uh, OfferUp.com and other local classifieds and selling apps or sites. Nextdoor, which is a neighborhood app where you can get local tips and, most importantly, buy and sell items. And Craigslist or similar sites. On a side note, you may want to consider getting a business credit card to purchase your books with. This can keep your personal and business expenses separate, and you can earn additional rewards. Now that you've taken these steps and you know where you're going, it's important to know what you're actually looking for. We discussed the most popular niches earlier, and that can guide us a bit here. One of the top niches you should look for are educational books, such as textbooks. This is really easy if you live in a college town, because you can find textbooks for sale at the end of each semester. Now, you'll need to be careful here, though. Since publishers regularly release new editions at the beginning of the school year, it actually helps to wait so that you can buy older editions at bargain prices. You also don't want to buy international textbook versions, even if they are dirt cheap. Local students may not buy them, even if the content is nearly the same as those local editions. The next niche is religious books. People pay a lot of money for vintage copies of the Bible. And remember, religious books are the most popular adult genre, after all. Another great option to look for are first editions and rare books. First editions can often bring higher profits than textbooks due to their low supply. But not all of them go for high prices, so do your research first. You can identify them by looking at the copyright date or the words first edition. But beware that paperback and hardback editions will likely have different first edition dates. Rare books are also in low supply, increasing their demand. But you'll want to check the binding and pages for signs of wear. The cleaner the copy, the more you can make from that book. Arts and crafts books have actually seen a resurgence with the pandemic. Whether this lasts, who knows. But people are finding new hobbies and looking to craft. Our last category is nonfiction. Biographies, step-by-step learning books, travel guides, and history books are all popular options that you can hopefully sell for a profit. So how do you actually determine which books are priced right for flipping? Well, that's where the Scout IQ app comes in. There are triggers built into the app that tell you whether or not an item is worth reselling on Amazon. This is based on three factors. Number one, the e-score. How many days in the last six months has at least one copy of the book sold? Number two is sales rank. You know, obviously, number one is the best-selling book in a given category. So whatever that number is for that book, uh, it's going to give you an idea of how many of them are actually selling in a category. And number three is profit. That's the estimated profit after fees. Now, don't be discouraged if you don't find a book for reselling within your first few scans. Most books are going to be rejected by the triggers, which you can always tweak a bit later once you get a better feel for what you're doing. This is a volume and speed game. You want to scan as many books as possible to find the ones that trigger as acceptable. Because this is time-sensitive, or time-intensive, rather, you don't want to settle for low margins. Look for items that are at least 100% ROI, meaning that if you spend $5, you expect to bring in $10. This is the absolute minimum that you want to go for most books are going to cost you between one to two dollars and a few of those may sell for as much as 100 dollars or more the more you do this the better your eye will get when searching for those books that are profitable when you list a book for sale you will probably want to just price it to match the lowest prime offer for the same book based on the software that you're using when there are multiple sellers amazon tends to rotate the buy box so that everyone has a chance Theoretically, this helps prevent a downward spiral on price, but it is possible to lose money on individual books. It can be difficult to manage those prices manually when you're dealing with hundreds or even thousands of books that you've listed. Just leave it in the hands of the app in that case. All right, so you've bought some books. What now? Next, you need to list those items on Amazon. You can do this manually, but this may not be a great use of your time, even if you do get faster at it. AccelerList and Inventory Lab are software programs that can save you time with manually creating those listings. Both have free trial trials. Both have free trials, and AccelerList allows you to cross list to eBay for an additional price, of course. The cheapest plan on AccelerList is thirty-four dollars a month, while Inventory Lab is a flat forty-nine dollars a month, or a cheaper forty-eight dollars, four hundred and eighty dollars per year. Once your inventory is listed, you have two options. DIY, better known as merchant fulfillment. This means that you handle all of the individual orders yourself. This also means you handle the sorting, shipping, tracking, returns, and refunds. As you can imagine, this is very time consuming, which leads us to our much easier second option, fulfillment by Amazon or FBA. You can just package up your books into one big box, you know, roughly you know forty pounds or so print a label, and send it to one of Amazon's distribution warehouses. Then they handle all of the sorting. Shipping, tracking, returns, and refunds. Yes, there are fees, but dear Lord, this is so much easier. Uh, Plus, this makes your books eligible for free prime shipping, which means you can actually charge a little bit more. This may seem expensive, but, you know, hey, 40 pounds of books can be sent over for as little as 10 bucks, so it's not too bad. Amazon's got some deals working with UPS. So what can you expect your profits to look like? Well, Amazon takes around 50% of the sale profits right off the bat. After that, the more you sell, the more your profit margins inch up because those monthly service fees for Scout IQ and other software are fixed costs. If you make $2,000 in sales, then you may take home around $600 or 30% in net profit. If you can get to $6,000 in sales, you can expect to have a little over $2,000 in take-home or between 35 to 40% net profit. So that's the lowdown on getting started. Of course, Amazon isn't the only place to sell books. For textbooks, you can go to textbooks.com, bookscouter.com, chegg.com, that's C-H-E-G-G, ecampus.com, or campusbookrentals.com. You can sell those first editions and rare books at Abe Books, eBay, or local used bookstores if you're lucky. But I think in the beginning, it's best to keep it simple and just stick with the Amazon system until you figure out what you're actually doing. Of course, now it's time for one of my favorite parts of the show, pros and cons. First pro, low startup costs. I mentioned this before, but if you use the Scout IQ app's live version and set up a free Amazon seller account, you can get started for just the cost of the first few books that you find to sell and the boxes and postage you use to ship them. That's it. Easy peasy. Next, a con. This does take some time. You can expect to spend one to two hours, four to five days a week, combing through books to find the right ones to sell. Then you can expect to spend some time listing them online, even with software. It's not a ton of time, mind you, but it is time that you could be doing something else. So something to keep in mind. And also, it takes some time to get to know the business and to scale it to a level that makes a real difference in your finances. Next is a pro. Books are everywhere. I mean, just look around. The marketplace is huge, which means you really shouldn't encounter many issues with finding products to sell or resell. Next is a con, competition. Because this doesn't cost much to get into, more people have started to enter the playing field. That creates competition, meaning that it may become difficult over time to continue to just find books that fit your criteria. This can lead to longer drives to farther places to find what you actually want to resell. Next is a pro. It's a business. You can take a trip with your family to New York City, spend an hour each day checking out used bookstores, which, you know, you might be doing anyway and write off significant parts of that trip as business expenses. If you're getting into this business, you probably enjoy bookstores anyway, so it's a win-win. Con, consistency. If you don't find books to sell, then you don't make money. You have to be consistent with the volume of books that you find to continue making money. And lastly, a pro. This is an entrepreneurial test bed. Don't underestimate the knowledge that you can get from buying and selling books. This is a small, simple business model that can teach you how to deal with taxes and accounting, inventory management, and pricing. It can also teach you how to deal with customers. If you can learn and earn big, you may be ready to try other challenging business pursuits. This is a changing industry with some headwinds against it, but that doesn't mean that it can't be profitable in this transitional period. As always, I have some resources for you in the show notes, along with a couple of books. The first one, the Official Amazon Seller Classroom in a Book Definitive Edition, an exclusive FBA guide to mastering the art of retailing products on Amazon by Drew Berry is an in-depth guide to teaching readers how to create, own, operate, and maintain a prosperous e-commerce company by retailing merchandise on the Amazon marketplace via FBA without purchasing an expensive online class. Next is Selling on Amazon. How to Sell on Amazon for Beginners, Learn to Operate Seller Central FBA in One Hour Per Day or Less by Adam Wilkins, and it provides a playbook for small to medium brands and home-based FBA businesses. And of course, I've got a ton of links too, so make sure you check those out. But that's going to do it for the show. As always, I'd like to thank you for listening to the Plan B, CRNA podcast. If you found value today, make sure you hit subscribe and give us a five-star review. This show only grows because of you. So make sure you share it with a friend, family member, or colleague to help them on their passive income journey. I also want to hear from you. If you have a question, comment, or rabbit hole topic that you'd like me to cover in a future show, make sure you rate and review on your podcast player. I check those all the time, and I cover those questions in future episodes. If you'd like to know more about me and gain access to passive investment opportunities, like our most recent RV campground investment, make sure to find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or visit my website at www.oncallinvestments.com. This is Bobby Jones signing off. Until next time, be safe and take care of each other out there. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Plan B CRNA podcast. If you haven't already subscribed and reviewed the show, I'd be honored if you took the extra time. It really helps to expand our reach and get the word out about the show. If you're a CRNA who is interested in sharing your story on our podcast, I'd love to have you. Please email me at bobby at oncallinvestments.com for more information. This episode was brought to you by On Call Capital. They're dedicated to helping providers like you develop passive income and generational wealth through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. Feel free to check out their website at www.oncallinvestments.com and subscribe to their free educational email series. You can find On Call Capital on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also check out our YouTube page, where you'll find all of the show episodes along with other educational videos. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.